Welcome back to my cast. I'm your host Tanmay and I'm Sudhanshu. Today we're in conversation with Mr. Kamal Bali, President and Managing Director at Volvo Group India. Mr. Bali has been spearheading top global and Indian brands as president and CEO for two decades. And since 2014, he is the president and managing director of Volvo Group India, headquartered in Bangalore. A distinguished alumnus of Indian Institute of Technology, Mr. Bali has had an illustrious career spanning over decades. Starting his career with Aisha Motors in 1981, he has established number of multinational corporations in India. He has accumulated precious cross-functional knowledge and is respected for his value-based leadership and professionalism with strong ethos. Fun fact: He has also been knighted. by the highest honor in sweden by majesties the king and the queen themselves welcome sir welcome sir we're so glad to have you on board today thank you for having me yeah long and illustrious careers are usually bolstered and supported by a, a wealth of anecdotes and experience of decades we've just gone through you know your career path and it's it's immensely inspiring and today you stand at the summit of your industry so could you tell us a little bit about how you got here what is your story Yeah. First of all, thank you very much for having me at Mica Studio here. Pleasure to be here with you guys, and uh, it's very energizing to see the youngsters and doing so well. Boards well for the future of India. Um, coming to my own career, I think uh, I've had forty plus years in the industry. Um, very grateful that I was probably born at the right time. I was there at the right time at the right place in the right organizations. I started with my career with a great company called Aishur, um, built it up over a period of time, and then of course, um, the last almost ten years, I'm spearheading the Volvo Group in India. So I think the journey has been quite exciting, as you rightly said, forty years of ups and downs and challenges and opportunities. So I have seen all of them. Uh, I have learned from my mistakes. I have learned from. um so many so many other people around me so there were so many role models around me who i followed and did but i think uh, to pinpoint a couple of things very very quickly to say what brought me here uh, is i think number one uh, i think the factor that the fact that i was there at the right place at the right time i think that is one uh, second uh, i would say i never settled in my comfort zone so i have changed about five jobs um working on an average about 8 to 9 7 to 8 or 10 years with the company so whenever i was at my high doing very very well i looked at a more challenging role i always up the ante uh, as, as in when i was uh, growing well i thought i can if i can deliver more uh, in a in a in a different role in the same organization or in a new company i did that so i think very important not to settle down in your comfort zone because why i why i say that because when you don't settle down in your comfort zone and and go to new terrains which which you do not know about much what happens is you start innovating because you have not tread that path earlier so therefore you will learn to um, learn to uh, employ some new techniques you will learn new tools you will innovate and it is and then when you start innovating you really become an entrepreneur and i think that's something very very important that never settle down many times if we are doing well we we become very very happy with our situation nothing wrong with it but i think you know must uh, must must take on new challenges that's the second thing 
I would like to say. Yeah. Yeah. So, first of all, sir, we are grateful for having this conversation in person. And you've been in the industry for a very long time, and you have seen the industry evolve over time. So you have developed this astute business lens, and with that lens, uh, we want to know your uh, view on this larger socio-economic trends that one should look out for in this increasingly cluttered world. We are at the cusp of a very major socio-economic transformation which is going through in the world, and uh, and India can be one of the beneficiaries uh, of this transformation because the starting line is going to be similar for every nation, for every every country in the world, every jurisdiction in the world. So, uh, so but a few things there are some shifts which are happening which we really need to take cognizance of. I think the first one, the first shift which uh, which I personally believe is uh, uncertainty has become the new normal. So uh, what, do I, what do I mean by that? I, what I mean is that this pandemic was not the first and will not be the last. There will be many more other challenges which will come. How do you stay, despite that, how do you stay ahead of the curve? How do you still succeed and do well in spite of challenges like the pandemic, which India has shown? India has done very, very well in managing the pandemic other than um, some unfortunate deaths which happened which is very very unfortunate india by and large has done very very well so so i think so the learning is that we need to be prepared for uncertainty and how do you prepare yourself for uncertainty i think only two things one is agility and adaptability so i think we need to be agile we need to be we need to be adapt adaptable in our nature in our in our ways of working. That's something very, very important, which I would like to tell all my young uh, generation uh, students and colleagues, boys and girls here, that yes, we must really build ourselves. In, in my time, I was taught when I was studying that whatever you do, build to last. So that that is changing. You don't have to build to last. You have to build to adapt. So build everything that that is adaptable to the changes which are happening. Because the pace of change is very, very quick. So that's the first shift which, which I see is very, very important. The second shift is embracing holistic sustainability or ESG, what some people call it. Uh, now, sustainability as a term used to be a lip service in the past. You know, Typically, people will talk about sustainability. This will be more on PowerPoint presentations and other things. But today, sustainability is becoming a real thing. Uh, when I say sustainability, what do I mean? Uh, I mean three or four things when I say holistic sustainability. Number one, whatever you do has to be economically viable, which means uh, more bang for the buck. If you put in X amount of uh, money, you should you should get an output which is several times more, you know, I mean, more bang for the buck. So it has to be economically viable. That's the first requirement. Second requirement is whatever you do has to be environmentally friendly. You can't leave carbon footprint behind. You can't do uh, those things. You will not. You may have the best product in the world. You may have the best idea, but if it is not environmentally friendly, it will it will cause problems. The third point in sustainability it is that it has to be socially inclusive. So very very important. You can't just just cater to one sec section of society. You have to be inclusive. You have to take care of. Society, you have to take care of gender balance. You have to take care of that everybody is to be. So that's, and the fourth point is you have to be ethically moral. So these are the th four things in sustainability. 
if you don't take these four boxes on sustainability, you may have the best idea in the world. It will not succeed. People will not buy carbon footprint, inclusion, societal inclusion, economic viability, um, ethical standards. All of this is very important. So that's the second shift which we see, which your generation has to really, really focus on. And, and therefore, companies like us are making public commitments that by 2040, we will be net zero. The third shift which we see is very, very clearly is the rebalancing of global value chains. What this COVID has done, fortunately for India, is that manufacturing is shifted from, from existing geographies. And you know which countries I mean. And India is really, really benefiting out of that. So India will have to up its game to attract, attract investments. In, and it's happening already. That is why you see government doing a lot of structural reforms, which have never happened in so, so long, long period of time. Structural reforms, uh, ease of doing business is happening. A lot of investments on infrastructure improvement is happening. So India has done very, very well in the last few years. And a lot of investment is coming and you see schemes like PLI, production linked incentive. So I think that's very important. So rebalancing of global value chains to get more manufacturing into India is the next trend. Because manufacturing has <coughs> always been 15 to 17% of our GDP. We need to take this to 25% of our GDP. Uh, very, very important because if you look at all major economies, it's manufacturing which has anchored the economy. You know, I mean, for many, many years, whether it is Germany, whether it is China, whether it is Korea, uh, all. So, I mean, but we have jumped from agriculture to services directly big time. So in between the manufacturing layer has not moved as well. So I think this is our opportunity uh, because manufacturing, why I say manufacturing, not because I come from manufacturing, because manufacturing has a multiplier effect on economy. So, so uh, one job in manufacturing will create three jobs or six jobs in services. So it's very, very important for us. So that's the third shift uh, which, which we see. The fourth shift which we see is accelerated innovation. Very important. And this is where startups will come into play big time. So, I mean, large companies take longer time to innovate because they are, they are slightly unwieldy. So the startup ecosystem, that's why startups can work, work along with the with, with larger companies, they can take on those challenges, the, the, the hackathons and the challenges which come around. So I think that's very important. And why I say accelerated innovation, because today to innovate is, is much easier, relatively much easier and, and much faster. Because today you have objective insights. During my time, during my heydays, we used to, we used to have intuitive management. We say, oh, customer, I, I guess he wants this. Today, you know very, very clearly, you have very, very clear insights into what the customer wants. So it's easy to really, once you have objective insights, you can develop good ideas. Second, um, the ideas which you develop are easy to implement today because uh, there is enough finance available for ideas. If the idea is good, finance is not an issue in India, even in India. Okay. The third is that uh, the time taken um, the time taken from ideation to actual implementation is much faster, much, much, much lesser. So I think that's, so accelerated innovation is going to be the key and we need to innovate to solve a lot of problems, the national problems, the societal problems 
And if we can solve those problems, I think we can monetize those ideas very well. So that's another big trend which is happening. And another trend, another trend which I would like to really um, talk about is that customers don't want products anymore. They want solutions and outcomes. And no one company, no one institution can provide a 360 degree solution. Therefore, the era of collaborations and partnerships will start. So the era of collaborations and partnerships will start and partnership is going to be the new leadership. Okay, so I think these are some of the trends which I see. I have named four or five or six, uh, but there are a couple others. But I, I just to keep it, I can go on and on. But I think, uh, but these are the trends which I would want uh, the youngsters, the future of this country to really. But I only want to say that all these trends are highly positive for India. It really is advantage India if you look at all these trends. And the good thing is that starting line is same for everyone. So even if we were behind the Western world by 50 odd years, that starting line is not the same. So therefore, we can really uh, leapfrog from here. And it's you all, this young India, I mean, which, which we have lots of hopes and aspirations. And uh, I think you will do. And finally, I think the pride in India. I think you all need to, we all need to take pride in our country. We may be a chaotic country. We have 1.4 billion people. We may have our own challenges. But I think we should still take pride in lots of goodness which we have. And I think that's the way forward. Beautiful. I think what's really interesting is one of the things you touched upon is innovation and the pace of change in, in our world now. And, you know, in your industry, especially in the automobile industry, when we take a macro look, we see a number of challenges that you're facing now, right? We see depleting fossil fuels. They're going to run out of fossil fuels after one point. And the need for differentiation between all of these products, you know, a need for rapid innovation, while also, as you said, remaining sustainable and, you know, making sure that there's longevity in what you're doing. There's also regulatory wins and losses with the government going back and forth on a national and a global scale as well. Right. So... Considering all of this, what are your views, especially, you know, as a stalwart in the industry on electric vehicles and the future uh, of the industry? So, I mean, that's a very interesting question. The future of mobility is, is also very, is transforming in a very, very big way. So mobility is not going to be what we all have seen in the past. The many, many shifts taking place there as well. So, uh, and, but whenever we talk of future of mobility, the whole discussion gets overshadowed by electric vehicles. Electric vehicles is one part of the transformation which is happening. And this is a very important part. So which means we have to prepare for greater mobility, not lesser mobility. Many times we tend to think that with the virtual world, everything can be done. But the need for mobility will only grow. Okay. Cargo has to move. People have to move. Food has to move. Everything has to Okay. All that is going to happen. So... What are the things? First is that we don't want fossil fuels, right? So that is a shift which is happening. That will happen through electric vehicles. Uh, that will happen through three things. One is electric vehicles, uh, which will take care of many uh, for two-wheelers, cars and others. There will also be hydrogen fuel cells, which will be for large vehicles, heavy vehicles, trucks and all. Uh, that, will be, that could be the preferred route. Uh, and then there will also be non-fossil fuel IC engines. The same I, engines which you use today mm. with using a non-fossil fuel, okay? Uh, which is, it could be DME, it could be 
methanol, it could be some clean gases, uh, LNG or others uh, from, from clean sources. So the, that is the first shift which you will see. The second shift which you will see is automation. Automation of the mobility system. So how do you really improve? How do you really look at the entire value chain of uh, and how do you look at public transport? How do you shift people from everybody driving their own personal cars uh, and, and congesting the cities? How do you how do you make them move by more public transport? So whether it is metros, whether it is shared ride, all this thing is going to become uh, a, a thing. Um, then of course uh, more is then then of course there is connectivity. There are going to be safe zones. There uh, the, and there could be silent vehicles which could get into the malls directly. So you will see a huge amount of shift and turnaround in this industry. So this industry is really in for very very major shift with energy requirements with energy coming from clean sources renewable energy um, whether it is solar or wind so i think a huge shift is is set to really transform the industry of mobility and and it's not only the battery electric vehicles not only the hydrogen fuel cells it's the entire ecosystem of of mobility which is going to see a change i think our generation is already exploring a lot of these things uh, in you know coming from EVs to, you know, hydrogen cells and not only young minds, but also big organizations are also investing in this. And I feel uh, this is the new change we are seeing. And people are into that technology. They want change. They want that to happen. Uh, as a B-School podcast, we want to mine your experience for some insights. So what do you want to say to the young entrepreneurs and the business leaders of the future? Uh, knowing that, you know, you have the views on the future of the business. So what are your views and comments for them? Yeah, I think... Uh... First of all, I am very optimistic about the future of this country, of our country. And uh, and that is based on a very good, uh, I would say, a very stable political leadership currently, which is taking a lot of structural reforms and uh, building infrastructure for the future, which was, which was lacking for a large, long time. Uh, so that's one positive news uh, uh, to, for the youngsters. The second is the talent. The young talent, I think... Uh, is transparency be transparent transparency will lead to trust and trust will lead to collaboration and collaboration will lead to collective wisdom so i think that's very very important that ttc is very very important um, and this to me is one of the most important things the next one is attitude i think a can do attitude instead of a cynical and a complaining attitude i think we need to have more of us have to have an attitude which is can-do attitude. Uh, we can empathize with others, you know, because everybody will have will not have the same set of strengths, right? So people will have different strengths, different capabilities. So we need to empathize instead of making fun of somebody else. Empathize and take everybody together. And then finally, social skills are probably as or more important than technical skills. How do you take everybody along? Societal, societal skills are very, very important. Positive attitude, collaboration, taking everybody along, empathy for others, right? And ensuring that we work for, we are very inclusive and diverse in that. So I am I, sure we, we all have a lot to contribute to that. And, and you should all look at 
you should uh, envision India at 2047. What, which is the next 25 years, which is your golden period. And I think you all should take that golden period and take the bull by the horn and take India to a new level. That was completely inspiring. I think I can speak on behalf of everyone my age when I say that was, uh, it almost gave me goosebumps. It was very inspiring. And one of the things that you touched upon was really interesting to me, especially was uh, how diversity leads to innovation. Yeah. And you know, when you talk about people my age, you talk about, uh, you know, how innovation is a constant need of the hour, especially in your industry. And I would say across industries yeah. today. Yeah, everywhere, right? Uh, so in that vein, when we talk about innovation, AI or artificial intelligence has proven a significant turning point. You know, it's part of what a lot of brands and organizations are leveraging today. But on the other hand of that same spectrum of argument, you, you know, talk about the human touch and the irreplaceability of that human touch. So when we're talking about this spectrum, right, what role has AI played in ensuring that your organization remains competitive in the global market? Yeah, AI will help you to uh, identify, uh, to get, to do a lot of data mining and converge that data to make some sense. Uh, to make some useful sense, so to say. And uh, and I said, it can actually uh, get individualized solutions for the, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the customer or for the consumer instead of looking at a, a solution for a segment of customers. And that's the major shift what AI can bring, that, uh, that we as marketeers always looked at a segment. Oh, let me do this for this segment. This product is for this segment. And, and now today, what with the help of AI and other emerging technology tools, you can actually individualize the solution because you can tweak the software, you can um, do the algorithms in a way as the customer wants, you, you have all the patterns, but the key is data, useful data, sensible data, and convergence of that data. So that is something which we, which we are doing. And, uh, and, and as I said in the morning, again, that this is the way um, companies like Volvo are going to use some of the uh, some of the learnings uh, and that from the technology to provide solutions which are customized uh, to the customer to customers needs so i think that's uh, something very very important which which we see going forward technology is going to be a big boon uh, as long as you see it in that light and i always say one thing not technology for the sake of technology because it looks savvy. It looks great. I mean, I think technology should be used uh, because you want to improve certain outcomes. You want to improve. You want to lift people out of poverty. You want to, and not for just luxury. So I think that's something which, which we, I mean, we should look at everything. Luxury is also equally important. But I think we must take all those boxes, as I said, in the beginning of having a sustainable and equitable future. Right. And so, do you believe that uh, the human touch still has a place in the automobile industry today? Tremendous. And not only automotive industry, human touch will never die out, will never die down in any sphere of life. Ultimately, in fact, human touch on the contrary will become even more important because a lot of functions will get done by, by, by technology, by AI, right? Therefore, the scarcity of uh, since very few functions will be done by human beings, they will become very, very, very important and, and they will become premium, you know. So the human, like for instance, you give an ex 
to give you an example if you if you're doing your some uh, transaction on the net right if you have a problem then you talk to a person if the person gives you a good solution you feel really really happy hmm. you know i mean if if he or she solves your problem in a good way so you feel really happy and about it so i think those those elements will remain some of the things only only human beings will be able to do despite all the technology there are some functions which will always be done by human beings so those will not change so my it's and and ultimately who's who's managing the technology is the human beings is the people of course today uh, people say that you can ai can write the codes ai can write emails on your behalf but it is not the same it can do some part of the job there'll be certain things which human will do so humans will move up the value chain okay that's important and that is very very critical and that is the important point i want to make it's not a zero sum game it's not that the jobs are getting the jobs are getting lost no the jobs will not get lost new jobs will get created the only challenge is we have to upskill our people humans will have to do different sort of jobs than what then they were doing today so they will move up the value chain and they will bring more value to the system yeah i think henry ford was the one who said that the customer really never knows what they need until it's given to them right so. absolutely absolutely also um, like the also like sir said uh, uncertainty is the only change that will not happen it will always be there so yeah yeah beautiful i think uh, on behalf of the entire micas team i'd like to give you a, a huge vote of gratitude for agreeing to appear on our podcast and giving all of these amazing insights to our audience thank you so much for your time pleasure pleasure being with you Thank you.